Hey folks, I'm Tennessee Brando and you're listening to If These Hills Could Talk. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I am super excited to be bringing you this week's episode because I got to sit down and have a one-on-one conversation with our next senator here in Tennessee, Miss Gloria Johnson. Gloria rose to national fame earlier this year when her and two other Democratic lawmakers, Justin Jones and Justin Pearson, were expelled. They quickly became dubbed the Tennessee Three. Recently, Gloria announced that she's going to be running for United States Senate against Marsha Blackburn. And when us blue dots in this giant sea of red heard that news, we were all just elated because for far too long, we've not had a voice in Washington. Marsha Blackburn definitely doesn't speak for all of Tennessee. There's a whole bunch of people that is fed up with that kind of rhetoric and wants to see a real change. And now we have a real contender in Gloria Johnson. I want to say a special shout out and thanks to my good buddy, Jeff Barber. He was on the show here a while back. And uh, he's who put me in contact with uh, Gloria and helped to make this thing happen. So, Jeff, thank you very much. I really appreciate your support and helping me to, to make this a reality. It was so cool to sit across in the Arbor Studio from Gloria Johnson and hear her ideas about what she's going to do to make Tennessee a better place for all of us. So rather than sit and bore you with uh, my opinions on it, I'm just going to go ahead and take you to this conversation. Uh, you guys enjoy it, then we'll come back and talk more about it. so many of us blue dots here in this <laughs> in this sea of red that just all was elated so uh we're very glad to have you well thanks so much for inviting me thrilled to come out awesome uh so what was the moment for you that you said this is it i gotta run for senate you know i don't know if there was that one moment we've been thinking about it since the beginning of the year actually yeah and just thinking about getting out there running on a strong progressive uh message because yeah. I don't think that's ever really been done statewide in I don't Tennessee. Think so either. And I think that people, I, I'm somebody that people come to a lot to say, you know, what are folks saying? Because I'm just, I'm on the ground a lot. I'm a grassroots person. I'm yeah. listening to the chatter um, on the ground. And people really are feeling that they want something different. They want to see some change. They want better and expect better from their government because they're not getting it right now no, with not. this MAGA supermajority yeah. in Tennessee. And then in Congress, everybody from Tennessee, except for Steve Cohen, who are representing us in Congress, are voting extreme, just yeah. outrageous extreme. They call me names, but the yeah. reality is the policies I bring, like Medicaid expansion, public education, raising the wage, paid family leave. The vast majority of Tennesseans, all parties, agree with those things. Absolutely. And I think, you know, uh, for far too long, I've noticed a lot of the politicians here in Tennessee, they're adopting Donald Trump's style. They're they're adopting that rhetoric. um, And I'm not going to name drop this place because I don't want to give them any uh, clout on here, but uh, I already saw a website that's designed to, to attack you and it's it's right. it's immediately uh far left radical uh Gloria Johnson uh one of the wokest that that come and yeah. you know and and she's a she's a Joe uh, Biden uh foot soldier all these all these catchphrases that they love and to socialist. use a socialist you know yeah. it's like somebody please ask Marsha Blackburn what a socialist is yes or ask her what woke is yes because I bet you she can't define it no she can't and but they use those catchphrases and it's it's worked really well for them in this part of the world and my one of my questions would be, how do we combat that? How do we, how do we go with that kind of rhetoric that's so loud? Actually, I don't think it's worked. You see now that often it's, it's moved from socialist to Marxist yeah. 
or communist, or you know, sometimes they even call us fascist, which yeah. shows a complete lack of historical background <laughs> exactly. and the meaning of words. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, the reality is, it they keep pressing that, but it's not going anywhere. Yeah. And it, it works for that extreme group of MAGA folks mm-hmm. who we're not really, you know, we'd love for them to get some facts and maybe yeah. operate on things that are really going to turn their life around. Republicans are not going to fix what wrong, what's wrong no. in their lives. No. And, and, but there are people out there, there are so many Tennesseans that are struggling. Yeah. And if we can get that message to them, we are the ones that are going to lift your wage. Yeah. We are the ones that are going to make sure you have access to health care that you can afford. Yeah. We are the ones that are going to make sure your kid has a great public school. Yeah. And we are the ones that are going to make sure there's child care infrastructure and paid family leave and cannabis reform. Yeah. All of the things that 70 to 80 percent of Tennesseans favor. But the MAGA supermajority yeah. refuses to listen. Yeah, and the funny thing is, you know, if, if, if you and I was having this conversation and say we had a MAGA Republican sitting here and you didn't use the, the label Democrat at all and you began telling them your ideas, they'd probably be for it. They would be agreeing with you until the word Democrat gets used or progressive or liberal, and then they immediately have this knee-jerk reaction that it's going to be the end of the world if, if we... And that's where the poison that is the right-wing media and extreme media, Fox News... And even the the more extreme, just pound that Democrat as a dirty word. Yeah. But, you know, what folks need to understand, what do the Republicans bring to the table? Yeah. Absolutely zero policy. Yeah. That helps struggling Tennessee families. Yeah. They won't give you health care. They won't give you good public schools, refuse to invest in public schools. They won't raise the wage. We bring bills every year and they kill them. Yeah. And they won't allow us to have paid family leave. I've got a bill I've brought the last four years, um, and it provides paid family leave for anybody in this state who works. It doesn't cost the state a penny, and it doesn't cost a business a penny. It's paid for by the employee putting in 3 to $4 a week. That's awesome. And then they do 3 to $4 a week for for, for 12 months, and then they can get um, three weeks. I mean, they can get 12 weeks paid family leave. That is great. That's that's great to hear. That's something that my my mom was uh, definitely wanting to hear you talk about. My mom told me that I have to thank you personally for coming <laughs> on, and thank you for running, because uh, I think a lot of women in East Tennessee feels like they don't have a voice. You right. Know? And, I mean, and we know that 80% of Tennesseans across the board, rural, urban, and suburban, yeah. support abortion on some level. Yeah. And that it needs to be available. We might differ on where we think that is. You know, I support the road, the road standard. Yeah. Um, but but the reality is, I Marsha keeps talking about um, aborting a baby after it's born. Yeah, it's that's insane. That's it murder. Is. It is. Yeah. And no one does that. Yeah. And the any time that there is a late term abortion, as I say, nobody decorates a nursery and then decides they're going to yeah. not have the baby. Yeah. Those those things that happen in those end months are traumatic, horrible experiences for yeah. for moms and fetuses. You know, the, either there's a terrible problem with the fetus, there's a terrible problem with the mother, and it's about saving the lives they can save. Yeah, and it's just remarkable to me that they lie like yeah. that 
Because they, they know better. They, oh, they do. They absolutely know they better. They are absolutely lying, and it's so unfair. Yeah. I've said to John before in discussions about it that I feel like what we're seeing, it's like they're using the old pro wrestling heel gimmick. It's as though they're, you know, everything is just so over the top. Uh, there was a wrestler here in Knoxville named Ron Wright back in the day. I remember and, Ron Wright. Yeah, and he would come out and he would get beat all over the ring in Chilhowee Park, and then he would say to the to the viewers, "Oh, I whooped that man all over the place," you know. <laughs> and, uh, and and they would believe the, the crowd would buy into it, and he was the heel, and he was the bad guy, and that's what it feels like we're combating with Trump. And well, and then, was then it Trump it, involved in the wrestling? Uh, yeah, he his? was. He's, he's actually. And we've got a mayor who's a wrestler. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it is wrestling mentality. It absolutely. is. It is, and. Uh, you know, it's funny to me because I've said this on my podcast a lot and on videos that I've made is that I've not heard any new ideas from Republicans in years. And friends of mine that are on that side of the fence, we've been having the same arguments. And it's amazing to me that we're in 2023 and people are still saying we shouldn't raise minimum wage. It should stay at, you know, what is it, 725 now? And it's like, how how can they still be saying that? I've had that argument with people for 20 some years, you know? Well. You know, quite frankly, 60% of Tennesseans, and that's uh, a majority of Republicans, Democrats, and independents favor raising the wage. Yeah. Where where it breaks down a little bit is how much we raise it to. Yeah. Some people want to go to $12. Some want to go to 15 Yeah. But everyone wants to raise that. Yeah. And you see that states that can put it on the ballot, like Arkansas... Um, they put it on the ballot, and they voted for, I think, a $12, and then every year it raises a dollar until yeah. they get to uh, 15 I think. Yeah. So, and at that point, they'll probably raise it again because it lifts everyone up. Yeah. That's what it does. They keep saying it's going to kill jobs. hasn't killed jobs in a single state yet. Exactly. It raised the wage. So, what are you basing that on? What you, you're political talking points. It's really about politics instead of being about people. Yeah. And we should always be talking about what benefits the people in Tennessee. Exactly. That's, that's absolutely true. And, you know, one thing we definitely wanted to talk about was, uh, you know, you were well known here in East Tennessee and then you became part of the, what was dubbed the Tennessee three. And you went from being, uh, you know, a local celebrity to a national celebrity. So what's that ride been like? <laughs> it's, it's been strange. I mean, People coming up to you and and famous people coming up to you in airports yeah. and recognizing you and uh, singing songs. When we met, me and uh, Justin Jones met Joan Baez in the airport. She came running up to us. Wow, was like, that was that was surreal. That's cool. <laughs> and, um, you know the way we feel about it is just just the way everything happened. We feel like this really there's something bigger than us is involved. Yeah. in really energizing this movement. Yeah. And bringing together these coalitions. Because what we're seeing, even though things were horrible, we were being expelled, we saw such hope. And yeah. those thousands of young people who showed up and those parents who showed up with yeah. kids on their shoulders and, you know, moms crying to me that morning saying, I had to drop my kids off at school. Yeah. I'm so afraid they won't be safe yeah. when we go to meet them at the bus or pick them up in the afternoon. And just the hope of all those people together and literally joining hands, yeah. you know, 9,000 people joining hands to show solidarity, solidarity. And those were Republicans, independents, and Democrats. Yeah. And at my announcements, we had Republicans and Democrats and That's independents. Awesome. And we are building a multiracial, multigenerational, and multipartisan coalition. Yeah. And that's what people keep asking, how are you going to win this? Yeah. 
you know, it was 10 or 11 points for, for Phil Bredesen, but he didn't have the Dobbs decision. Yeah. And, and then this gun situation where 80% of Tennesseans want to see something done. Yeah. That's a majority of Republicans and independents as well as Democrats. Yeah. And they just aren't listening. Yeah. And we know that Marsha Blackburn is owned yeah. by the NRA. Mm-hmm. She's out there literally advocating against lowering drug prices for seniors. Yeah. Who does that? I know. I mean, everything that they do is against the regular average Tennessee family. It really Everything. is. Everything. It really is. And they've just, you know, they've came up with catchphrases that works and they've got people afraid of us. And uh, yep. I just think if more people would sit down and talk, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this, was I think if, if more people sat down and talked, I've, I've traveled a lot over the years as a musician, and uh, I've sat on bar stools and talked politics with people that I know didn't agree with me. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is, you know, I was raised in Middlesbrough, Kentucky, and Mitch McConnell's been a uh, been over there for like since I was two-year-old. You know, he's been in power. Yeah. But all my travel through Kentucky, I never saw Mitch McConnell signs. I never saw bumper stickers. And I never met anyone that said, oh, I love Mitch. He's my guy. Yeah. You know, it was one of those things where they would all admit he was a crook. They would all admit he was a con artist. And then when you would say, well, then why does he keep winning? Their answer was always, well, at least he's not a Democrat. You know. And and that's, you know, that's one thing that's remarkable. I'll talk to people all the time and I'm like, well, they're lying to you. Well, they're a politician. That's what politicians do. Yeah. You should expect better from your policy. You should not expect them to lie. As a matter of fact, they should be held to a higher honesty standard than the average Joe. Yeah. I mean, the reality is they should be telling you the truth. Yeah. And that's one thing I'm going to do. Even if we disagree, I'm going to tell you the truth on where I stand and how I feel. Yeah. But I will also listen to your point of view. Yeah. And right now, currently, they refuse to even listen. Yeah. to our input in the state house. And that's something I wanted to ask you about, so I wanted to make sure I got this right. Correct me if I'm wrong, but from my understanding, you guys were were silenced and wasn't even given the right to a rebuttal. You weren't allowed to say anything. This, if, if Cameron Sexton viewed it as a disruption or if he viewed it as you were going off subject, the microphone was shut off. Have I got that right? I that's, mean, ex- that's exactly right. First, they limited us to five minutes, Yeah. but the five minutes could be taken up by our colleague across the aisle and they could they could filibuster our five minutes. Yeah. And so sometimes we got thirty seconds. Yeah. But then if they wanted to say we were off the bill, yeah. Then they would just gavel us down uh, in our five minutes. They use that tactic a lot for Representative Jones and Rep- Representative Pearson. They yeah. gavel them down. I think the reason they did that is they're. I think the the Republicans loved to see this happen to these two young, yeah, brilliant black young men who knew yeah. exactly what they were talking about and who were always on the bill. Yeah. Now for me, what they did to me was rarely call on me. Yeah. Cause they, it doesn't excite their members so much if yeah. they cut me off. So they like to not call on me. Yeah. And uh, that's why I don't know if you noticed, but a couple of times Rep Pearson would say my name because if your name is called, then you can talk. Yeah. <laughs> and from the outside looking in, you know, from someone just watching from the sidelines, it looked like, Back when we were kids and you'd be playing ball with somebody and the minute they started to get ahead, they took their ball and went home. I said, it's time to get my mom's call and I got to leave. Well, <laughs> that's, that's just kind of how it was like. It just, it was so painfully, you know, yeah. lopsided that it, I was like any reasonable person should be able to see that. It's really obvious. And I always tell people sort of a joke, but not really, you know, my 27 years teaching emotionally disturbed teenagers prepared me for the legislature. 
Yeah. I mean, it truly did. I can because see these folks, I mean, it is like middle school. Yeah. With how petty they are. You know, when I was the only one in the body that didn't vote for the speaker, I was given a closet instead of a regular office. Yeah. And um, then we had a couple of Republicans get mad at each other. And then one of them peed in another one's chair. Wow. This That's is ins- happening with your elected, elected Republican representatives. That's so at crazy. At any time in last year, I, I can't, four, three or four under federal investigation awaiting indictment. Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden they'd be gone from the floor, you know, after the indictment came yeah. down. But somehow we're the bad guys. I know. It's it's insane, and I I feel like too that that Donald Trump I feel like he ushered people into the political arena that had no idea about politics or no idea how government worked. I feel like they had sat and watched him on Celebrity Apprentice, and then they saw him go over to Washington, and it's like okay, you know now he's taking that act over here, and because they say things, it's just that's so easily disproven, and we live in a world where. We've all got so much information at our fingertips. If you tell a blatant lie on TV, like I was watching Vivek Ramaswamy where he goes out and said that he, would have, he wouldn't have certified the election results. And then he tried to backpedal and say that he didn't say that. They pulled up the video and showed him saying it. And then he's like, no, I didn't say it. They, and, These people forget about videotaping. I know. I'm like, I'm like we're, we're in a century now where, the, hey, you know, you, 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 if you say something, it's going gonna to be remembered. <laughs> People's going to see right. it. And I think, um, I think more and more people will begin to see through that style of rhetoric, I sure hope so. I hope that we see more people begin to see that. I, I think that we saw it when that moment when they were expelling us in those hearings and everybody in Tennessee and everybody across the country and part of the yeah. world tuned in. Yeah. And they saw what was going on and they were absolutely horrified. Yeah. They were absolutely horrified. And what I see with the, the current Republicans in the legislature um, they do not care that somebody will tell them something. They don't fact check it, but they'll go straight into those committees, committee rooms and say it yeah. like crazy people. I was sitting in government operations one day and both Senator Janice Bowling and Representative Mary Littleton talked about the crisis in Tennessee public schools of kids that identified as cats and dogs using yeah. litter boxes in schools. Yeah. And I'm like, y'all, it's nowhere. It hasn't happened. It's an urban legend. Yeah. They said it is a crisis in Tennessee schools. Yeah. And it was one week later, I got a phone call from somebody in my district saying it was happening. Yeah. Because, you know, that's that's what starts it. It's yeah. happened nowhere. Yeah. And it's crazy. And, me- and, and I think Janice Bowling actually said it was one of her superintendents who told her, and the superintendent got on Twitter and said, no, I did not. Yeah. They will come up with those stories, and it's so crazy how that, that, that they will believe that without fact-checking it. I've, I, I've been guilty. One thing I've been guilty of, and I went back and, and corrected myself, is I've shared things that was satire. Mm-hmm. Like from The Onion, it would be something like over the top that someone like Sarah Palin said, well, it's believable, yeah, you right. know, with the way that. So, yeah, so I've, I've went back and said, hey, what I just shared, wouldn't that was actually satire, it wasn't factual, and, you know, whatever. I got worked up over something that wasn't true. So I believe in giving people the benefit of the doubt, but it's just so crazy to me these days, the, the lengths they will go and the stories yeah. they'll create, and people will believe it. Just they'll buy it instantly, and then you can show them hardcore evidence of Trump saying something and – and they will say that we're taking that out of context and that we're not. Uh, right. It, it's so funny didn't. to hear people who are not wealthy, you know, just hardworking Tennesseans 
say, well, this two-tier justice system. Well, y'all, there is a two-tier justice system, <laughs> but we're the ones on the bad end of it. Yeah. Now, this is the one time when justice is happening to the wealthy and well-connected, which it rarely does. Yeah. And one thing, you know, uh, where, here where I grew up at is like, you know, I have a lot of family on my dad's side that they vote on single issues. Some of them will strictly vote for the candidate that says they'll put an end to abortion. And mm-hmm. some strictly vote for the candidate that says they won't do anything to stop them from getting a gun. Because, like, you know, in this part of the world, we're raised up, we hunt, we fish, our grandpas teach us how to, teach sure. us how to shoot guns yeah. from the time we're little. And so that I've heard that argument, the Democrats are coming for your guns, as long as I can remember. My family's always taught politics, and I would hear my uncles talking about that, you know, when I was growing mm-hmm. up. The Democrats are coming for our guns, and... What would you say to those people? Like, I'm a Democrat and I have a gun and nobody's going to take it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? exactly. Unless I have some sort of mental health break and I'm a danger to myself or others. Yeah. But, you know, I grew up with guns. My father was in law enforcement. Yeah. I have his service revolver. That's, yeah. you know, that's what I have and I'm going to keep it. Yeah. But I also took the course and took the training course. I shoot regularly yeah. and I keep it uh, safe. Yeah. And all we want is to keep the Guns out of the hands of dangerous people. Yeah. We want safe storage so kids aren't getting a hold of them. Yeah. And we want universal background checks so you can't go buy one online and pick it up in a parking lot or buy one at a gun show. We want to make sure everybody's background has been checked. Um, there are other bills that folks want and I'm up to discussion on, mm-hmm. but I have run red flag and safe storage laws for several years now yeah. and we'll continue to do that. My safe storage bill, I sort of followed the lead of a, a Alabama bill that was yeah. passed. I'm like, if they can pass it in Alabama, why can't we pass it in Tennessee? Yeah, that that's good to hear. And I think, you know, my, my dad's a Democrat and he, he carries a gun and he knows how to shoot and, and he's, you know, but he's all for common sense gun laws. And I don't right. know, we're talking about an instrument that can take a person's life in a matter of seconds. Just instantly you can walk in and why would, you know, I, I make this comparison that may, may sound strange, but like you, you let somebody go down to a Walmart somewhere and let someone back into their vehicle with no insurance and they will scream, hey, that person should have had insurance. Who's going to pay for my truck? And yet they won't know no law in place, no whatsoever. liability whatsoever for, for an instrument uh, that can right. take people's lives so quickly. And then they'll, people will make this argument, well, you can kill people with a car or a rock. Yeah. A car was not designed to kill people. Exactly. The specific yeah. purpose for a gun is to kill things. Yeah. That is what it was created for. Yeah. And so it's, you can't compare it to a car. Yeah, exactly. And currently, right now... You know, when when cars were the number one killer of children, when car accidents were the number one killer, that's when we did all the seat belt and and car seats and all of that. We did regulate that so that we would bring down the number of deaths. And currently, guns are the number one killer of children in Tennessee and across the nation. And the horrible part about it is Tennessee has a 36% higher rate of deaths children's death by gunshot than the national average. Wow. 36% higher. Wow. We can store those guns safely. Absolutely. You know, I, I've always thought that, you know, when you're, it's just when you're raised up in this part of the world and, and you're taught these things from, from childhood, it just becomes talking points that you, you just tend to, to cling to. But, uh, you know, I've always said that, if, you know, if for the people that says, well, they could have done it with a ball bat or they could have done it with whatever, just these ridiculous arguments they make, I'm like, okay, we have a, we have a speed limit sign on the interstate that says 70 mile an hour. 
of course someone's going to do 90. Of course someone's going to do 120, but that sign's there to hold them accountable. Right. You know? And and, they'll say, well, the criminals are still, well, if that were the case, if criminals are still going to get a gun, well, criminals are still going to murder. So should we just take the murder laws off the books? Exactly. It doesn't make sense. You've got to have consequences in place to, to deter that. For those people who do pay attention, yeah. you know, to what the law is. And it's just ridiculous. I, I remember when Xavion Dobson was killed, uh, this Fulton student, you know, and his mom Zenobia is a good friend, and she's so wonderful. But I remember she got interviewed by New York Times, and they were talking about that, and they interviewed um, the former representative that I beat. And he said, well, you know, Cain killed Abel with a rock. Yeah. And all I could think was, I bet Zenobia wished those people in the car had rocks. Exactly. Because Xavion would still be here. Exactly. And and I can tell you, the Covenant moms yeah. would certainly wish that that shooter had rocks because their yeah. kids would still be alive. Exactly. And that it was so disheartening, uh, like I said, just watching from the outside looking in and watching the moms being silenced. And uh, that was That was the hardest week and a half of a session that I have ever been through. I mean, it was constantly, you know, controlling your own emotion because it was just so heart-wrenching. Yeah. And then watching those moms be treated like trash. Yeah. You know, in the knowing what they'd gone through and seeing them thrown out of committees and just crying when they were supposed to testify. Yeah. And they get thrown out of committee. Yeah. And then the one day, I'll never, ever forget, uh, Chris Todd had some dumb bill. And there was a mom that was going to testify. And um, he said that same thing where, well, if the shooter hadn't had a gun, then they would have gotten their car and run over the children on the playground. And I remember because I'm a teacher, I was just picturing that in my head, someone trying to run over kids on a playground. I was picturing that in my head, and I was thinking... He just put, I'm sure those moms had that same image in their head. Yeah. Why would you even put an image like that yeah. in grieving moms' heads? What a sick and disgusting and it, horrible thing to do. And several of them walked out. And yeah. just were, so I went out yeah. and stood with them and hugged them because they were just crying. Yeah, they just it, couldn't it, believe it. It really is disgusting. They would stoop to that level. I can see them going after you guys. You know, I can see them yeah. going after the lawmakers and trying Come after to, me all day. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, like I can see them trying to silence you. I mean, it's like I understand what they're trying to do there, but that's one of those things. They they they're the they're the party that loves to talk about pro life the most. They're the ones that want, that talks about protecting yeah. the children, and they they sit and rally against drag queens, and that's another thing they've started to to scare everyone. Uh, but I saw, uh, I was watching things unfold and then, uh, governor Bill Lee comes out to speak and it. And when I heard him speak, I just sit there and listen to him talk about what a success it was. And I was like, I was like, was he at the same place? Like, well, he was out of town the entire time. He never showed his face once. I'm yeah. like, clearly Bill has no idea what happened yeah. because it ain't what he just said. But if you sit back, like if you were, if you're a Republican voter who has sat back and, uh, and listened to, uh, if you've sat back and listened to the Republicans talk and you've not gave the Democratic chance aside, you know what I mean? Yeah. Then, then he walks out and acts like everything's hunky-dory. And it's like, I was sitting there watching it going, I hope people was paying attention. They did absolutely nothing new or different. They put a little more money into things that they were already doing. Yeah. In trying to give the appearance that they had done something. Yeah. And they like to hit me because there was one particular bill I didn't vote for that was more security in schools. Mm-hmm. 
Well, because all the data and research shows that doesn't work. We saw security at Parkland. Yeah. We saw, you know, secure, what, 40 officers outside Uvalde and they yeah. wouldn't go in. Exactly. At the shooting where, when I was at Central, the shooting that happened there, I believe both officers were in the cafeteria when that happened. Yeah. You know, I want to prevent those guns from ever getting on school property. Yeah. They want to bring the battle to the schoolhouse door or worse yet, arm teachers yeah. and bring the battle to the classroom. Yeah. So you're going to give a teacher a pistol mm-hmm. when somebody with an AR-15 comes in yeah. and they're supposed to do their best? Yeah. Please. But, th- but then you're going to turn around and demonize those teachers and say that they're right. grooming the children and they're, you know... Teachers that- all over the country right now are taking bullets for kids. Yeah. So exactly. they've got a lot of damn nerve. They, they really do. And it's uh, it's it's such a... It's such hard. It, like I said, it's hard to watch, and it's hard to, to see how heartless they can be about it. And uh, I just think if more, you know, I've always said this too, and I and I really hate to say it, but I've always felt like with the MAGA Republican style of person, something has to happen to them before right. they finally uh, realize it. There's been times I've grew up around people that held racist viewpoints and would say things until their daughter married a person of color, and then yeah. suddenly it's like, well, well, don't say anything anymore. You know, they, they, it, it's like, yeah. yeah, it's like it happens to, or, you know, my son came out, don't say anything about gay yeah. people. It's always like it has to hit them. And the, the sad part is it's like we're talking about our children here. Yeah, you know, and, and even even when it does hit them sometimes, we've got a senator with a trans child yeah. who brings legislation against transgender That's, uh, folks. Yeah, And so I, I just can't imagine yeah, being that being my dad, you know, that yeah. would be pretty tough stuff. So, you know, it's just remarkably sad that we're not doing the work that's going to make sure that we're lifting up every Tennessee family so that they know that they have enough money to um, buy their groceries and pay for their prescriptions. Yeah, you know, these are the things that fam- families are worried about. We are the highest in medical bankruptcies. We are the highest in maternal mortality and infant mortality. And if we were to expand Medicaid, that would be all the difference in the world. Exactly. 300 to 400,000 people would have access to health care. And when you have access to health care, that's access to mental health care. And when they always talk about mental health being an issue, well, why are you not doing the biggest thing we can do totally for free yeah. Except that $1.4 billion that we have refused to the tune of probably $20 billion now. Imagine yeah. the health care we could provide, the rehab for those who are addicted, mm-hmm. and the prevention. Yeah. Because one of my family members died from opiate addiction because he was one of the group that came back from Desert Storm and didn't qualify for veteran insurance. Yeah. And was working construction, got injured, bought pills off the street to, yeah. to take care of the pain because he couldn't see the doctor and became addicted because yeah. of that. And so when people have access to health care, yeah. that's a big part of prevention. Yeah. And there's so many things we could do if we were proactive and took those Medicaid expansion dollars like almost every other state. Yeah. and took care of folks when they needed it. Yeah, one of the tired arguments that I hear from the right uh, so many times is they'll try to compare us to socialist countries in Europe, and they'll try to say that that's going to destroy us if we do that. Uh, what would be your response to that kind of rhetoric? Well, 
the 40 plus states that have done it, yeah. there's all been in-depth studies in every single state. They are, they're economically sturdier than we are. I yeah. mean, it has been a huge help. Say Ohio also had a bad uh, opiate addiction population. And when, when Ohio expanded Medicaid, they were able to, to treat 93% of people with addiction problems. Wow. In Tennessee, we, we treat 13%. Wow. And in what you saw in Michigan was you saw people get lifted out of poverty. Yeah. Those people who were in poverty who had to live on a bus line and um, you know just take a job that they could get to on the bus line, what they found in Michigan, the, the brilliant study there, it put so many people back to work. Yeah. It gave them the ability to finally be able to get a loan. So they got car loans, and then they got better jobs because they had transportation to better paying jobs. Yeah. And and Michigan, what they found, it was such a huge boon to their economy because so many people got back to work that the 10% that the, the state has to pay, they said in perpetuity they can easily afford that. Yeah. Because it boosts every year, the economy gets better and better because of Medicaid expansion, lifting people out of poverty. Well, that's why I'm so glad to have you on here and to have you talk, because one thing I talk about in a lot of the videos I make is how that I feel like people in our part are just so distracted by the culture wars. They're so distracted by everything. And in the meantime, they're complaining about these very things you're talking about and how they they want to make them better. But yet they're voting for a party that's that's got no new ideas and bringing nothing to the table. And I... I think that the more that we talk and, and just raise awareness as to what we stand for and what we're about and what we're going to accomplish, uh, I think I think there's going to be, I hope anyway, there's more of a there's more people out there with a voice of reason somewhere that will begin to, to hear it. I, I think you're right. You know, one of the reasons I went, I moved to Colorado for a few years, um, for three years, came back because my dad wasn't healthy. Um, Mom needed help with my dad, but also it's just people are not the same. I met a lot of great people, that's for sure. But um, something about Tennessee folks, you know, they're just, they're wonderful people. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's so much more hatred now, or it seems more evident. Mm -hmm. There's an uptick in racism and bigotry. But what I truly believe is most people are good and kind and care about their community. And I think we can get back to that, but we have to show them that we are the party that will bring policies that make their lives better. That, you know, um, these wedge issues like trying to make bad guys or demons out of the LGBTQ community or, you know, any, anything, any sort of movement with our black and brown neighbors, it's just, outrageous and it it goes against our better angels it goes against common sense and i don't think that's who people are and i think that too many people are afraid to speak up i think so too and and if we all start speaking up and pushing back a little yeah um and standing up when someone tells you a racist joke or says something racist you know i work very hard i don't call someone a racist yeah but in the legislature, if you make a racist statement, I will absolutely call it out and absolutely. say that was a racist statement. Or if you bring a bill that is racist, I will say that yeah. is a racist bill. The um, divisive concepts bill is racist. Yeah. It's also sexist and, you know, 
it's uh, an attack on a on a on the LGBTQ community. Yeah, all of it. You know, and since yeah. when? What other people do and who they love has no effect exactly on your family, absolutely whatsoever. Exactly. And the idea that they're acting like it does. I was talking to my brother, my family, mostly Republican. I was talking to my brother the other day, love him to death, but he really got on this transgender athlete stuff. Yeah. And I was like, look, I thought you were about small government. Yeah. I said, and, and you're also a sports guy. Yeah. You played ball. And I'm thinking, the people who should regulate this are the the governing bodies for the sports. Yeah. For the Olympics, it should be the Olympic Committee. For the NAACP, you know, for college, it should be that mm-hmm. governing body. And for high school, it should be the TSSAA that decides. Yeah. Those people closest to what's happening, the experts on the games and, and yeah. you know, whatever's being played, they should make those. It shouldn't be a big government decision. You don't yeah. need the government determining who plays sports. Yeah. And he sort of got it. Yeah. But it had been ingrained so much. They hammer it so much. They He's do. like, but a politician should have to say where they are. And I said, why? Yeah. Because they shouldn't have a say in it. Yeah. Just like your health care. They shouldn't have a say. Yeah. And what you and your doctor think is required. Yeah. And so it really brought this conundrum. And I hope at least that, you know, he's thinking about it. Yeah. But it shouldn't be government. That, yeah. They're talking about big government right there. Yeah. And one thing I do is I, I make videos for the uh, Midas Touch Network, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm a contributor on there. And uh, one thing that uh, when Ben Micellis reached out to me about it, he talked with me. And, you know, I, I know I don't look the part, you know. Yeah. I, when pe- I've had so many people say <laughs> no, to me. Ben, I, they're great. I love yeah, those guys. <laughs> I, I've, I've seen, I've had so many people reach out to me and say, man, I scroll past your video several times because I just see you sitting there and I thought you were some redneck <laughs> biker dude. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then once they hear it um, and they hear me talk, it, it makes them think. I think, I think it, like going back to what you said earlier about people speaking up, I think they've just been, you know, I think there's a lot of people that would agree with us, but they're sitting there at Sunday dinner next to their mm-hmm. QAnon watching uncle who's just spewing a bunch of stuff. And they don't want to rock the boat. They don't want an argument with him and they don't want to make a scene. So they stay quiet. And they probably walk outside and on the way home, they're talking to their spouse about how awful it was. But mm-hmm. I've, I'm always just encouraging people to speak up and let's change that narrative because their narrative has got no but one's best interest at heart, but their own. You know, it's just, yeah, and and that's what I I try to bring it up anyway. Like with my family, I don't typically bring up politics. Yeah, but if one of them does, I'll finish it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I don't, you know, I don't bring it up and I don't push. But however, if it is something racist or wrong about LGBTQ community or you know anything like that, I will absolutely not let it go, and I'll try to do it in the most gentle way that I can because the reality is, you know. There are many of us who still might say or do things that are racist that we were sort of grew up with or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, if you start changing that and if you're made aware that what you said yeah. is offensive to people, then maybe you'll start changing that. And yeah. that's all we're doing. We're not saying you're a horrible human being. We're saying, yeah. no, that's just not cool. And that makes people hurt and uncomfortable. I think it makes them uncomfortable too because they were raised up by people who are, are good-hearted people. You know, mm-hmm. they, they have, you know, they're not mean-spirited people necessarily, and but they were taught things that weren't true, you know. Yeah. 
I, you know, I remember when I first started off playing music as a teenager, you know, I was big into the Allman Brothers Band and Leonard Skinner and mm-hmm. bands like that used to have the Confederate flag behind them. And we'd go out to play somewhere and one would be hanging in the room and I didn't think much of it. I knew, I knew what it meant, but then I had this group of people over here telling me, that's Southern pride, that's Southern heritage, heritage. that's Southern <laughs> rock music, that's all that is. And then I had an experience where I invited a coworker, uh, a black guy, I invited him over to watch us rehearse. And as I'm driving to the room, I realized I had a Confederate flag uh, on my wall and I was like uh, you know it hit me I knew it was wrong in the back of my mind and now I'll start trying to explain it away and he, he he just said to me man it's okay I see it all the time I'm not I'm not offended so then we get in the practice room and when we're sitting there he won't really look at us he's you can tell he's uncomfortable and I saw how I saw how it made him feel and I realized you know what it doesn't mean free bird to him right. you know and so I took him home uh, when I came back home, I was so disheartened by the whole experience. I just walked in my room, pulled the flag down off the wall, and threw it in the trash. Yeah. And uh, invited him back over. We, what's funny? We never had a conversation about it. I just, I just kept persisting that he come back because at first he didn't want to. Yeah. And I just kept, come on, man, please come back one more time. I want to hear you play drums and come on back. And he finally did. And when he walked in my room, he looked up where that flag used to be, and I had a Stevie Ray Vaughan poster or something put back yeah. up in his place. Yeah. And he just kind of chuckled to himself, and we got along great. But I think it's a, it's, it's a matter of being able to accept those learning experiences. I'm not saying that everyone that ever waved that flag at a Allman Brothers concert meant any ill will about it, but it's about learning uh, right. and bettering ourselves and, um, and, and being willing to accept those uncomfortable truths sometimes that we don't want to hear that was handed down to us from, from other generations. And, and not take it as a slam or whatever, but, man, yeah. I've got to do better. Exactly. I've got to do better. I need to be inclusive. Why? I don't want to make anybody feel bad. I don't care who they are. I think this whole pronoun thing is so ridiculous. Yeah. I want to call people whatever they feel comfortable with. Yeah. Why would I want to call them something to make them uncomfortable intentionally because I don't agree with it or whatever? Yeah. That is so outrageous. It is. I remember as a teacher and I would have a student and uh, kids are funny. You know, they're, one day their name would be X or whatever, and the next day, well, I want you to call me Carol or whatever. Yeah. I would call them Carol, you yeah. know, if they didn't want to be Debbie anymore or whatever. Yeah. It's just like whatever people, however they identify, why can't we just be yeah. compassionate and caring and call them what they like? Exactly. And if we mess up, we can say, oh, sorry, you know, yeah. or something like that, but at least... They know that you're trying to make them feel comfortable. Yeah. I think one of the mistakes a lot of people make, and I think I've been guilty of it in the past myself, is you'll, you'll sit and listen to other people explain to you what trans people are about. You yeah. know what I mean? You'll, you'll turn on, uh, I hate to throw him under the bus, but like Joe Rogan, for example, he'll sit there <laughs> and he'll, he'll hammer those things, and you, you think to yourself, oh, that's what they mean, and that's what they're about. And then you go out and talk to one, start having a conversation, and you're, you're kind of on the, the defense because of everything you've heard him say. He's put up this... He's put this fear in you that, you know, and then you start talking and you realize, it's like us, they're, they're going through the same kind of struggle. absolutely all people. Yeah. We all deserve the human dignity and respect that every human being does. Yeah. And the idea that somebody thinks that some people don't deserve that dignity yeah. just flies in the face of everything. And most of the time, these people are saying they're conservative Christians well, that's not where Christ was. No, exactly. Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, back during uh, this past Pride Month, a lot of the content I did was a, was about the gay community. And, 
And I had several uh, people reach out to me and say, what are your pronouns? And I would tell them. Then I decided to put it in my bio, you know, on, on my people stuff. People lose their mind. And people <laughs> lost their mind. I couldn't believe the amount of messages I got. Well, I'll never take nothing you say seriously again. <laughs> and I'm like, really? If you want me to just be truthful, I've actually, this is my answer. I was like, I was just doing it to let them know I'm not an asshole. Right. You know, I was just trying to let them know that I'm, you know. <laughs> yeah. That. What's wrong with telling people I am a cash, compassionate human being and I'm going to treat you with dignity? Yeah. How is that bad? Yep. You know, first time in my life I sit in committees now and somebody talks about diversity, equity, inclusion. Mm-hmm. When in my life have those ever been bad words? Yeah. These guys, my colleagues across the aisle, lose their mind. Mm-hmm. Oh, DEI, we can't have that anytime, anywhere. And I'm just like, what? Yeah. Are you nuts? Yeah. Well, yes, you are. Yeah. Because how is diversity or being inclusive, making people feel welcome? I mean, it, it's even gotten to where I remember there was a, a rule about um, if you're in certain medical field and you're renewing your license, you have to have all these certain hours of whatever. And one of those um, classes or coursework was hours in DEI. Yeah. Which if you're in the medical profession, you're going to be treating patients from all communities, you know, and, and yeah. other countries. And, and a lot of countries are really different in how they interact. Some don't make eye contact and, you know, all these kinds of things. So it's important for you to be prepared yeah. for who's going to be in your doctor's office or your PT office or whatever. But they lost their mind at the idea of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah. And... and those have never been negative words in my life, but yeah. they are to some people now, and that's scary. It is, and and going back to something you said, something I've talked a lot about on my podcast in the past is is I just feel like that when you read the Bible, you read the teachings of Jesus, and you and you read what he did and who he who he hung out with and who he forgave and all those things. It's those words in red are no reflection whatsoever of this group of people that have seemed to hijack it to use it for their benefit, and they yeah. grift people with it. And I'm like, if Jesus Christ came back today and went on Fox News and just started talking his his ideas with them, he would he would be a socialist. He they would they would give him all those labels. And uh, sometimes I wonder with um, the way we see people preaching politics from the pulpit, yeah, and churches even putting yard signs and, yeah. and various things, picking a side in their own church lawns. I, I I think that I was like, is one of the reasons they don't want any more IRS agents. Because yep. if we had more IRS agents, <laughs> they'd start looking into all yep. these tax-free churches yep. that are promoting politics of one side. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. It's an interesting concept because the reason nobody really acts on those things is because there's not enough folks to look look yeah. into who's violating those tax laws. But, um, you know, we need to just get back to respecting the human dignity of every so. single Tennessean. And when you are elected, I am elected to serve all 70,000 people in my district. Yeah. Not just the ones who voted for me or not just the ones I agree with. Yeah. So I make a point to listen to anybody who calls or have a meeting with anybody who wants to have a meeting. Yeah. And I will certainly listen and be respectful. Yeah. But, you know, we're just not getting that from the other side. No, we're not. And that's such a breath of fresh air to hear you say that because... uh, uh, I noticed that the minute uh, Marsha uh, Blackburn made a, a video response to you running, she just came out with their same talking points with no new ideas, nothing. It wasn't like 
you know, you don't hear them say that. Mm-hmm. And I remember, to me, one of the one of the craziest things was uh, was Trump's inauguration speech. It was just so. It was like he. I mean, so disjointed. It was so disjointed. I mean, I wasn't the biggest fan of George W. Bush, but I've always said that even he, after nine eleven, tried to. He, he at least tried for a yeah. minute, for a brief moment in time, he tried to bring us all together. And there's been none of that from that side. They've adopted this this style that's just like, if you're not with us, you're against us, yeah. you're the enemy. And you have Mike Huckabee saying that the next election will uh, be decided by bullets. Bullets? I mean, over I, ballots. I, it was, that was scary. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's like going back to like what happened on January 6th, I worked with a guy who leading up to that event was talking about how if they didn't turn it back around and give it to Trump, he's like, if they don't do this, you're going to see a level of redneck like you've never seen. We'll go up there, we'll burn the place to the ground, we'll take it back. And then when it happened, and I go back to work and I'm like, well, what was that? Oh, that wasn't us. We're good people. We didn't do that. <laughs> that, was that, was, that was Antifa. <laughs> and I'm like, but you said it. Yeah. You, you said it the other day, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now we've got Huckabee saying this. And if something were to happen, I hope hope it doesn't, but I'm saying if something were to happen, you've got him on record there saying, look what he said. And that's a, that's such a, I mean, here we are trying to, to... They are promoting this. We're trying to pull people together and, and bring people together, and they are dividing. And that's what I keep saying about this election. I keep saying we are building multiracial, multigenerational, multipartisan coalition who really care about the safety of their communities, care about the health of women and girls, Mm -hmm. you know, don't believe we should force children and women who are raped to carry the pregnancy of their rapist. They give more rights to a violent rapist to choose the mother of his child, but not give the woman the right to not have her rapist baby. Yeah. In what universe does that make sense? It's one of the craziest things that my mom said one day. She said, you know, it's, it's, it's terrifying to me that, you know, my daughter, her granddaughter, she said, now she doesn't have the rights that I had when I had you. Yeah. You know, it's like, and I've pointed out uh, one of the videos I had that, I, that went viral. I was just talking about how that Donald Trump's presidency set us back. I mean, with the Supreme Court justice that got appointed and, and how, you know, there, there was a time when, when there was a video of Hillary Clinton pretty much predicting everything. Yeah. That would happen if there was ever the queen of I told you so. <laughs> it's definitely, but it's just one of those. There was this really disheartening moment for me. I remember when uh, there was a whole lot of people on the Democratic side of the aisle that got disappointed. They wanted Bernie, and there was a lot of people that, you know, I, I think just sort of didn't think things would be so bad. They might have voted third party or stayed home that day, and uh, and then it got us where it got us. And that's why I just keep telling people, you know, it, you may not agree with every single thing Joe Biden says. You may not agree with every single thing Gloria Johnson says, but if you're going to have the best interests of the people, it's, it's I just feel like democracy is on the line more right. than it's ever been. Oh, it, it absolutely is. And I talk to many people all the time who feel like if we don't win this presidential and we don't get some of these seats back in the U.S. Senate and U.S. House and, and also in our state House and Senate, um, there might not be another real election. Again, people really feel that way. Yeah. And that is so unfortunate because, as I, I have to say again, I believe that the majority of us are better than that, and that's not what we want. Yeah. And um, my colleagues even now will fight back when we talk about losing democracy and they're doing away with our democratic norms. Uh, well, we're not a democracy. We're a republic. Oh, uh, like, yeah. What are you, uh, high school? Because we all know that we are yeah. both of those things. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and if you can't understand that, you probably shouldn't be on this house floor. Oh, absolutely. 
Um, it's it's just remarkable that they try to use that argument, and I yeah. think it's like a high school sophomore argument. Yeah, quite I, frankly, I get hit with so many arguments all the time that I'm like you. I, I say to myself, "Is that are you really going to say that to me?" Like, yeah. I have so many people. They'll the minute I start talking about race or anything like that, they'll say, "Well, the Democrats are the party of the KKK." <laughs> Yeah, and I'm like, really? Do I have so to explain this? Do I have to explain this one more time? You know, I'll back up and say it for those that didn't hear me. But here yeah. we go again, and it's like, pay attention this time, folks. And you know, they'll they'll love to throw the line at me about Malcolm X, where he talked about the the white liberal. They love to throw that line at me, and I'm mm-hmm. like, but they didn't they didn't finish the whole sentence where he talked about the white conservative. And they didn't, you know, they they they, they, they cherry pick what's convenient. They cherry pick the Constitution. They cherry yeah. pick their Bible. Yeah, they are excellent cherry pickers. I will tell you that they really are. Well, I want to I want to say thanks again for being on on here. I, it's been an honor to sit and talk with you. I don't want to take up any more I've of your time, <laughs> but I, I've en- really enjoyed it. And uh, one last question before you go, because this is something me and my dad talks about all the time, and sure. I know I know he's going to say, "Why didn't you ask that?" <laughs> uh, my dad has as as said to me so many times. Do you think we'll ever see will will Tennessee ever turn blue? Is that is that a possibility? And you've seen more. Than we have, I think where we're at and on the tip end of East Tennessee, it's more Bible Belt where we're at, and everybody's loud Trumpers. So, do you see a movement starting that could give us some hope? There's no question that there's a movement starting. That's really why I decided to to make this run. It wasn't one thing, but it's actually um, a list of things. And there's been work that's been done in the state earlier, but I feel like the windows of the House floor in that room were just busted open and sunlight poured in and everyone saw it and saw what was happening and everyone paid attention because the legislative process should be, okay, we, our problem we're trying to solve is gun violence. I'm going to bring some bills I think will work. Mm-hmm. I'll demonstrate why based on research and data. You bring your bills. We'll discuss them on the floor in front of the people and we'll vote based on the discussion we have of what we think might work. But instead, they have destroyed the democratic process. They will only allow the bills they want to hear mm-hmm. and no discussion on anything else. Yeah. And that is taking away from the people. It's taking yeah. away the people's voice. And so when they silence me or they silence Rep. Jones or they silence someone, they're silencing the 70,000 people in yeah. their district. It's not about me. Yeah. It's about the 70,000 people who sent me there yeah. to be their voice. And that's why it's such a travesty when they silence our voices. Yeah. Well, I think it's great that you're running. We're all excited, and we uh, wish you the best, and we got your back. We're well, we're going to def- turn it blue. It yeah. might take longer it than people realize. And I know people feel down like it's impossible. Yeah. But I think that's where my so dad's much at. stuff happened on the ground. Yeah. We are going to be able to do this, and it's time to start right now. Well, that's awesome. Again, thank you so much for uh, coming on, and uh, I'd love to talk to you again sometime. Well, and, thanks for having me. I've enjoyed uh, it. All right. Thank you. Folks, i got to be dead honest with you. It took me a couple of days to come down from that interview because uh, I've been following Gloria for some time now, and I really – appreciate what it is that she does. I believe in what she says and I believe in what she stands for. But uh, the best way I can describe what it was like to sit across from her and uh, have a conversation with her. Have you guys ever like started following a band online and you saw some videos, you heard some songs, you thought, man, I really like their music. And then you went and seen them live and they just blew you away. Um, That's pretty much what it was like sitting across from Gloria Johnson. Uh, It was like, whoa, this is, this is on another level when you see it live. 
And uh, I want to thank Gloria so much for taking time out of her day to come out to the Arbor Studio and talk with me. Uh, it was a true honor to sit uh, down and interview her. And um, I have never felt more confident after talking to her. I already knew that she was the right person for the job, but uh, she just drove it on home for me 110% after that. Uh, for far too long, there's so many of us here in Tennessee that have felt like we didn't have a voice. There's so many of us that felt like that no one had our interest at heart. And um, Marsha Blackburn has just been a national embarrassment. And I, I know so many, uh, so many of us feels that way. You know, I've said in one of my songs that it's getting harder and harder to say y'all come again because we just got this, you know, cast of characters here in Tennessee that are in office that is just, you know, from Bill Lee to Marshall Blackburn to Tim Burchett. It's like, man, it's, 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 you spend a lot of your time saying, hey, not all of us in Tennessee are like that. Not all of us think that way. Not all of us believe in that crazy rhetoric. And uh, Gloria gave me hope. Uh, sitting and talking with her, it gave me hope. And uh, I hope that that interview gave you hope because, uh, you know, a lot of people will say things like, ah, oh, Democrats suck at messaging. And I'll give it to you. A lot of times Democrats do miss the point in messaging. But uh, Gloria Johnson is the exception to that rule. Uh, she is spot on with her messaging. She has uh, the best interests of everyone at heart and not just a few, not just people that looks like her and sounds like her, but everyone. And so uh, we have got to get out to the polls and we've got to vote and we have got to put Gloria Johnson in the United States Senate. For those of you out there that, you know, you have friends and family members who says things like, I don't really get into politics, you need to start pointing out to them all the changes that have happened over the last couple of years. And, and you have, need to point out to them all the rights that have been stripped away from people. Uh, point to what happened in the Supreme Court with Roe versus Wade being overturned, with uh, rights being stripped away from the gay and trans community, with affirmative action. Point to those things and point out to people that, hey, when you guys didn't get out and vote in 2016, you allowed Donald Trump to become president. And when Donald Trump became president, he stacked the Supreme Court in the right wing's favor. And in doing so, look at the damage that it done. So for all the people that says, oh, I don't really get into politics, I don't like to talk about it, I don't want to you know, deal with that, now's the time to start talking about it. And now's the time to start dealing with it because your future, your daughter's future, and your fellow Americans' future is at stake here. And uh, I don't think a lot of people understands the seriousness of it. I think a lot of people, you know, just thinks, well, you know, me and mine's okay at the moment. Everything will be okay. They're all crooks. Both sides are equally bad. That's a bullshit uh, narrative. Both sides are not the same. Listen to this interview again. Back it up. Rewind it. Listen to Gloria Johnson and then go listen to Marsha Blackburn. And I promise you, they are nowhere near the same. You know, Marsha Blackburn immediately came out and said that Gloria Johnson was a threat to our way of life here in Tennessee, and that is absolute bullshit. Uh, Gloria Johnson is a hope for so many here in Tennessee, and it, it, it's not just for Tennessee, it's for all of America. Um, having Gloria Johnson in the United States Senate will be better for everybody. And so, guys, be sure to get excited about this and get out there and vote um, and get people supporting Gloria Johnson because we really need to defeat Marsha Blackburn and defeat this, you know, authoritarianism style of government that we have here in Tennessee and give it back to the people. I truly believe that Gloria Johnson is the one um, that can help us to give the voice back to the people and not just to a few. So uh, again, thanks so much to Gloria Johnson for taking time out of her day to come out and talk with me. 
and thanks so much to Jeff Barber for uh, hooking up this interview and helping to make it happen. Um, can't wait to see where we take this podcast in the future. Uh, you guys tune in next week, and I'll uh, be back with another great episode. So uh, thank you all so much for listening. Until next time, this was If These Hills Could Talk. I'm Tennessee Brando. You guys have a great week.